Hallelujah. Well, we are in a big series. I don't know how long we've been going on prosperity. Y'all may think, well, you know, I'm getting, that's getting a little long on prosperity, but we could have been having a 10-week series on the sin unto death if you'd rather have that. <laughs> yeah, we let Colin teach that one. He's always going to, he's always, if we're going to be gone, we say, well, what are you going to teach on? He says, the sin unto death. <laughs> it's a family joke. <laughs> we have a pastor friend in uh, Odessa, Texas, and this is not, I'm not kidding you. This is the truth. He has been teaching a series in Proverbs since the 80s. He's still in Proverbs. I mean, he's like on chapter 29 or 30 now. And there, this is true. This is true. He, he's like doing a verse-by-verse series on Proverbs, and he's been in since the 1980s. And uh, gosh, you got to admire his diligence, don't you? And uh, uh, the joke there is, is that if you buy the whole set of tapes, a semi comes with it to carry them in. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the joke that we're that we have about that. Uh, we are talking about offerings tonight. Last week, the week before, we talked about tithes extensively. Last week, we started talking about offerings. There is so much to say about offerings that we did not get finished. So we're going to pick up where we left off, talking about offerings tonight. If you're in Galatians chapter six, we're going to begin reading in verse seven. Now we've already read a lot of the scriptures on offerings. We've read the scriptures on tithing, and we've talked about tithing. We learned that tithing is 10%, and you tithe the tithe. And offerings, they are uh, whatever amount God puts in your heart, what you want to give. They are not any certain amount. Galatians 6, verse 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Well, that makes it real simple for us, doesn't it? Now, we've been talking about how when we give offerings that they are seed. When we give the tithe, there is a certain reward for the tithe, and it's 10%, and the reward for the tithe is described in Malachi, you know, uh, chapter uh, 3. And, um, is that right? And, uh, <laughs> everybody's saying, well, that sounds right, scripture, but, okay. And so the reward for the tithe is there, and, uh, you know, people have been pointing out to us just since we've been teaching this series that a lot of churches, a lot of places where y'all came from, read Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, that you're, you've robbed me of tithes and offerings, you're cursed with a curse, and just stopped right there. And nobody ever told some of you that there is a benefit, that there is a blessing. Amen? And so, uh, you know, I hope that you're catching that, 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 that God wants to bless you. He wants to benefit you. And he gives you this opportunity to enter into his system and to bring your tithe into the storehouse. And then he says he will open the windows of heaven for you and that he rebukes the devourer for you. Amen? Now, you know, in the New Testament, and we find in Mark 11, 23 and 24, but specifically 23, that in the New Testament, to enter into something by faith, you have to believe and say. So when you tithe, so many people are plunking their tithe down, but they're not ever entering into the tithe with faith because they're not believing that anything's going to happen. And then some of them even believe that God does bless us for tithing, but they don't say. But the New Testament, but we have to enter into things in the New Testament. Everything we get from God, we have to enter into it by faith. And so when you tithe, don't just put your money in. Enter into that 
system by faith. Believe the windows of heaven are going to open, but say it. You have to say it, too, is my point. You have to enter into it by faith. And so you need to say, the devourer is rebuked for my sake. You know, if you don't enter into the tithe when you put it in by believing and saying, then the devourer will eat you up the whole time you having fulfilled what it takes to have him rebuked, but you didn't enter in by believing and saying. So you need to say, the devourer is rebuked for my sake. You need to say, the windows of heaven are open over me, and I'm expecting something today to come through them. Amen? And, you know, my vine does not cast its fruit before its time. I don't even remember who it was now, but somebody said, uh, you know, I'm having... Uh, uh, I, I was having uh, labor pains or little, you know, false labors or something, and, and it's too early. And, and, I, and I said, you are a tither. You cannot cast this fruit before it's time. Amen? Amen? And, you know, among other things that we can use that for. Hallelujah. And so then we have offerings, though. Offerings, though, are different than tithing. So many people want to just kind of scramble it all together, I've noticed, and, and you know, and just like, well, you know, you know, and, and a lot of people want to get, they want to sow seed with their tithe, but you really, you know, don't do that. You sow in your offerings. That's when you're sowing. That's when you're planting. And, you know, the Bible says even in Proverbs 31 that that woman, she is so wise in Proverbs 31 that she sees a field and she sows that field. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you to have seed. I want to encourage you to, to not just get in a rut and have one kind of seed. I want, you to, I want to encourage you to sow in many different kinds of ways. Galatians 6, verse 7, we read in verse 8 now, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So we know that this not only works in a monetary sense, but it also works in other things that we sow, right? Verse 9, and, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, he tells us there that there's a season, that there's a time lapse. In sowing and reaping, there's always a time lapse. Now, tithing, there's not necessarily a time lapse. We tithe, the windows of heaven open. But when you sow seed, you need to expect that there's going to be a time lapse. If you sow a corn seed, you expect it's going to take a while to get corn. If you sow tomatoes, you expect it's going to take a while to get tomatoes. And when you sow your financial seed, there's a time lapse in getting that harvest going. Now, we can get quicker harvest. Sometimes, really, especially when God says so, you'll get a, usually get a quicker harvest. But you need both kinds. We talked about last week about uh, God-initiated offerings and the kinds you initiate, where you go out like that wise woman in Proverbs and you begin to sow a field. You're not waiting on God to tell you to sow. You're wanting a harvest and you start sowing, methodically sowing a field, wanting a har expecting a harvest. Amen? Uh, so we're understanding things. The J.B. Phillips translation says... Um, uh, he says that your harvest in life depends entirely upon what you sow. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, there are, I wanted to address this part, there are occasions when God chooses to let us reap where we did not sow. There are occasions. There are occasions where God chooses to let us reap where we did not sow. Did you ever reap something where you knew you didn't sow? 
Amen. All of us, nearly all of us has. That's the grace of God. But you know, you cannot build your life on that. You need to build your life on the principles of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. And I'm just going to be real honest with you. You need to get a lot of seed in the ground. You, need to, you get a lot of seed in the ground and you get a, a flow going where you have this constant flow. The Bible says God gives seed to the sower. Hallelujah. You need some seed to sow, you can ask him. I do it a lot. I mean, sometimes we'll have a special speaker coming a week ahead of time, maybe two weeks. I'll say, now, Father, I'm asking you for some seed to sow into this speaker. It never fails that he will give me seed that I didn't, wouldn't have necessarily had, that he'll give me seed to sow. He'll give you the seed to plant your field with. Amen. Praise God. Now, it's important that we recognize the seed. Amen. That we don't say, wow, we talked about this. Here, somebody gave me something. You know, if you've prayed for seed to sow and somebody gives you something, uh, hello, that's what it is. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. It's seed to sow. So it's important to know when to sow. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's not a day to go to Walmart and just have a fun day, just, you know, having fun. It's a, it's a sowing day. It's, not, it's a time to get some seed in the ground day. But God's going to give us days where we go to Walmart and just, you know, piddle around or, you know, wherever you like to go. And, and you know, you may want to go to Lowe's. Somebody told me last night, I said, I'm going to Lowe's after prayer last night. And I said, oh, I just love to go to Lowe's and shop. I'm thinking, well, that's different. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, wherever you, wherever you get your kicks, you know. <laughs> you know, be conscious also to be somebody else's harvest. Two things I like to do is be somebody else's harvest. If they've sown seed and they're believing God for something, I like to be somebody else's harvest. And so be conscious to be somebody else's harvest. Another thing I like to do, and this is kind of the same thing, but to be the answer to somebody's faith. In other words, somebody says, man, I, I was believing God. And it's so much fun to have been the one, not knowing that they are believing God, to walk up and hand them what, something and just to be a part of the harvest. You know, we're, we're, the church is becoming more conscious of that. But used to, it was unheard of to give. You might give in the church, but it was unheard of to give to a person unless they were poor. But we taught you last week how the poor is not the best ground. In fact, don't sow your seed into the poor. Amen? Now, we're going to help the poor, and we're going to look at them here in a minute, but don't sow your seed there. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We're just studying about offerings. We're having, well, this is teaching. You're going to learn some stuff. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. Oh, we, and I think Pastor or Colin or somebody has used these scriptures in tithes and offerings before. But let's look at them again. Did y'all find Ecclesiastes right after Proverbs? It says, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb. Oh, I'm not supposed to read that. I just wanted to read verse 4. <laughs> Sorry about that. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. That means if you look at circumstances, you're, and you're going to talk yourself out of sowing. You know, you can get that fear of letting go. If you are waiting for perfect financial conditions, you're going to talk yourself outside of sowing. Listen, the only way to get to perfect financial conditions is to sow. That's how you get there. If you judge by the side of your eyes, you won't sow. 
Amen. Listen, let me just encourage you. Do not skip a month of sowing seed. You know, how long does it take for cotton? How many months? Four? Well, is that, what is that? Five months. Okay. <laughs> I can divide here. Okay, five months. Don't skip, don't skip a month of sowing seed. Because five months later, I'm not saying exactly five months, but you don't want that, that. So, so, you know, you may come up to a time where it's like there's hardly any seed to sow, but hey, sow something. Sow. Keep something in the ground all the time. Amen? Um, then it says there, and I like this part too, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. You know, when we get ready to reap, there's always opposition. See, a lot of times people think it's just going to rain down on them. No, those opportunities are there. And, you, you know, maybe it's an opportunity, you, you know, for a house or a car or something. Well, I, I've just seen it so many times. Somebody will have sowed and, and they're believed God and, and so they go out there and they think, okay, now I'm going to reap. I'm going to get my car. And so they go to buy one and the finance company says, you know, listen, don't give up. Pastor and I, we always just keep on pressing through. We do. We just always just keep on pressing through. Because, see, Satan, he just resists you reaping. And a lot of people don't know how to do that. If everything don't just fall in place the first day and everybody don't just say, yes, amen, praise God, you know, they, they, just, they just say, well, you know, you know, they just get intimidated. That's what they do. And they just back off from reaping. You've got to have confidence in yourself. You've got to have confidence. I'm a sower. I'm a tither. You've got to have confidence in what you're believing God for. That's why Brother Hagin says, find a scripture for everything you're believing for. This is the confidence that we have in God. If we ask anything according to his will. And you've got to have some confidence about you. You've got to have, you've got to know, not, not only do I deserve this because of the blood of Jesus, I can't be denied it. Amen. It's mine. I'm rich. I'm wealthy. And I don't, you know, I tell you, Michael, Pastor and I have encountered opposition. We, especially, you know, we're a different sort of church, Word of Life Church. Well, you get in there in these little offices sometimes with uh, realtors and loan, you know, these finance companies, and they go, Word of Life Church, what kind of church is that? <laughs> and, you know, because they came down from First Baptist. And so, right, and then when, and then the one that really throws them is we say, well, you know, we have income also from Billings Ministries. And they go, Billings Ministries? What is that? Because they ain't never heard of a ministry. Now, I spoke there, you know, that wasn't good grammar, but you know what I mean. They hadn't heard of it. And so you begin to, and I've even, listen, I've talked to people before when I could tell they were nearly jealous and they were opposing me. See, and it's like, you know, just you need to just plow right through those people. It's just like, get out of my way. This is my harvest. Hallelujah. How, I'm telling you, you're going, you'll run into opposition. It's the devil. But if you don't have a confidence in yourself, you'll say, well, you know, now maybe this isn't the will of God. 
You were supposed to find that out a long time ago. Before you ask. And then you're when you get to that place, you're supposed to have confidence. Amen. Hallelujah. Mark Brzee says, Pastor and I have made this work so many times. This has helped us so many times, you won't believe it. He says, when you run into a brick wall, you back up and you see where God's already knocked the hole in the wall. And invariably, if we're going down a path and all of a sudden something's not moving and it won't move for anything, we just back up and look at it a different way and there's always another hole. Amen. There's always another way. When somebody tells you, you can, they can't do something, it's nearly always not true. Go to their superior. Nearly always they can do something. Is that true, Kevin? Amen? Huh? Sometimes they don't want to. Did you know that there are people on the job that are so lazy that one reason they say they can't do it is because they don't want to do the paperwork? That is the truth. Oh, we can't do that. I promise you. Listen, get your harvest. Because if you regard the clouds, you shall not reap. God's not just going to do it for you. You've got to reap it. You've got to reap it. Sometimes you need to go back to the prayer closet. Sometimes you've got to pray some more to pray. You see, because not only is your harvest in your sowing, but you have to pray things through too. And sometimes you might be a little bit off. You've got the general will of God, but you might be a little headed in the wrong direction, and that's why you're up against a brick wall. And, you know, God shifts you over here a little ways, and it goes. It just it, it, it goes. Amen? You know, we started our ministry, and they told us, you can't, have, you can't buy a house. You don't, you don't have a W-2. You're supposed to have a ministry, what, two or three years? Two years, you're supposed to have two years of W-2s and all this kind of stuff. How many of you know there is always a way? Amen. It's favor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, um, another thing is you need to completely release your seed. Now, I brought my, I was going to do my, I, brought, I did this whole object lesson and forgot my prop tonight. Uh, <laughs> um, and I had this, I had a string tied on, I punched a hole in a $10 bill and tied a string on it. And so you can just imagine this. But a lot of people, you know, they put that $10 bill in the offering bucket, but they got a string. They got a string tied on that thing. And here that $10 bill, it goes into the offering bucket, and then it goes into the church office, and it gets put, and then it goes to the bank, and then it goes, you know, and it's sent out to, you know, the electric company and the rent. And, and sometimes people have a, a string on that, that C, that $10 bill, and here's this, 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 this money. It's going all over town, and they got a string on it. Listen, if you put a string on your seed, Satan's going to jump on your string. Well, you say, well, Debbie, what do you mean by having a string on your seed? Well, uh, you give to manipulate someone. Giving to buy friendship or to buy position. Giving to bring yourself glory. Giving for a tax break. Now, praise God, we have a nation that lets us have it, but that's not our motive. Amen? Giving to build a tennis court so you can play less expensively. 
There are people that do that. Say, oh, I, I try, I'll, I'll build a tennis court for this church so that I can play on it or, you know, because it costs too much down at the country club or, you know. Now, we don't see those kind of things in our church, but I just use that for an example. See, the motive cannot be to benefit yourself. Our motive is Romans 10, 13. This is our motive for giving. And we let go completely of that offering. We don't put any strings on it. Now, you know, I tell you, most people that give into church offerings, they don't put strings. But sometimes when people, good people that love God, when they give to family and stuff, they put strings on it. In fact, I got a good example. I was today with a couple of women in the uh, in Dillard, and not this church, you know, women that, I don't know where they go to church. <laughs> and uh, she's talking about giving her grandkid clothes. Well, I just don't know what they do with those clothes. I, I don't ever see them wear them. I gave them ten outfits, and I have only seen three of them. Do you think they're taking them back and getting the money? See, there's a string on that giving, isn't there? There's a string. Now, see, I didn't even think of it when she was telling it. I was thinking, yeah, yeah, that's right, you know. But I just, it just came to me here. There's an example of a string. There's a string on that giving. You know, sometimes we fall in that trap, too. We'll give somebody something. You know, they must not have liked that. You know, sometimes the string is not so much to manipulate them, but we let it hurt our feelings because we don't see, you know, them react a certain way to it or we don't, you know. And we, or, have you ever felt this way? Give something in. I didn't get a thank you note. I asked Colin yes, this week, I said, what do you do, Colin, when you can't remember if you wrote a thank you note or not? I said, do you write another one and look like an idiot? Or do you write one and say, I can't remember if I wrote you one and look like an idiot? Or do you not write one and, and if you did forget, they're thinking you didn't? What do you do? He, said, he was real smart. He said, email them and just mention how blessed you were again and... You know, they'll think, you know, I thought, well, that is a good idea. That is, because I did that. Somebody gave me something, somebody from out of town, they mailed me something in the mail, and I can't remember if I wrote a thank you note or not. I kind of think I did, but I'm not positive if I did. I'm not confident. <laughs> but so did you ever give like that and go, I have, they have not written a thank you note. There is just about every other month there's somebody writes into Dear Abby about somebody that, you know, I gave the grandkids something and they didn't write thank you notes and everything like that. Well, you know, I think we should teach our kids to write thank you notes and stuff. But at the same time, when we give, you know, we need to release things. Amen? We just need to release things. In fact, Leroy Thompson, I think he says don't write thank you notes, doesn't he? Have you heard him say that? Well, I mean, he said... uh, he says don't write thank you notes because he says it's, you, they're not given in this natural realm. They're given into the kingdom. Just say, I receive it. Amen. And get it in the spirit realm instead of the natural realm. Well, I mean, I don't know, but you know, just you need to have a kingdom perspective on it and get your strings off of it. Amen. And quit regretting your seed zone that you didn't get a response from. See, your motive wasn't right if you had to be showered with thank yous over it. Amen? If you had to have a certain response, your motive wasn't right. You were really given to, to, to get something. 
to get something. And you know what? If you have that attitude, at some point you're bound to be disappointed. I mean, you know, some, I've, I've given people things at Christmas before and I could tell it wasn't it. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> and I know they probably could say, I could tell that wasn't it, you know. You know. Hallelujah. So uh, we need to get all the strings off. And our purpose is Romans 10, verse 13. Um, through 15. It says in verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom, him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. See, our motive to sow is the gospel be furthered. The gospel be furthered. The gospel to send the to send labors. Amen. To supply labors, to furnish the labors. Amen. So that's our motive. When you sow seed, always sow into good ground, sow into faith ground, sow into prosperity ground. When you give to the poor, you help the poor. Okay? Do y'all see the difference? You tithe the tithe, you sow the seed, and you help the poor. Now, Deuteronomy 15, verse 7, we're going to talk about helping the poor, giving to them. Because it's important. And just because they're not good ground, and they're not. The poor are not good ground. And just because they're not good ground, we cannot neglect them. Because why? Because the Word commands us not to. Amen. Amen. It says, if there be, uh, verse 7, if there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates in thy land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother. But thou shalt open thy hand wide unto him and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him naught, and he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sent unto thee. Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. Because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and in all that thou puttest thy hand into. For the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore I command thee, saying, Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother, to thy poor, and to the needy in thy land. The poor will never cease out of the land because there will always be somebody who doesn't follow God. The poor are poor because they don't follow God. Amen? They didn't, they didn't follow God. They're poor because they didn't follow God. And there will always be people going through situations. In other words, they're not poor, but maybe they're broke. Let's put it, we don't confess we're broke, but at that point they are because they made a mistake. Well, we're not to condemn people when they make mistakes. How many of you ever made a financial mistake? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. We don't condemn people. We have mercy. Hallelujah. But there's going to always be that, God says. Now, I want you to notice there... When he's talking about giving to the poor, he's talking about your brother. See, it's important. He says when you see your brother poor, when you see someone you know, your brother in Christ, and you know him, he says don't turn your back on him. Don't turn your back on him. Give to him. But, you know, we sometimes encounter other people that are poor. You ever been at a stoplight and somebody's standing there with a sign? Now, do I, can I drive on by, or do I have to give to everybody? 
Well, see, I just got to be led by the Spirit there, don't I? Because he's not my brother. I don't know him. Amen. So I've had the Lord tell I've been sitting at a stoplight right there to turn to go to Word of Life Birmingham, sitting at that stoplight and have the Lord speak to me. Give him. Give, give him. And I tell Michael, Michael, we're supposed to give him something. Give him. So we get in our but we give him something. But, you know, that's being led by the Spirit. But then there's times to walk on by, isn't there? You don't have to give to everybody. Every time the Cancer Society calls you and all those people call you, you do not have to give to all those places. Amen? They really try to put you under condemnation, won't they? The fraternal order of the police will even try to put you under condemnation big time. You, and we've had them at our front door before for the fire department. You mean you don't... I mean, it's just like they are indignant that you're not going to give to them. You've got to be led by the Spirit. What can I tell you? Be led by your heart. Be led by your heart. Turn to Psalm 41.1. But your brother that you know, Psalm 41.1, I like this. It says, Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. Listen, when I'm in trouble, I need to be delivered, don't you? So we need to have this in our, that we have considered the poor. Well, you've got a good opportunity with some Russian orphans to get in conformity to this verse and consider the poor. And, you know, hey, you'll be assured that in the time of trouble, God will deliver you. I tell you what, if you ever get in trouble, just pull out that verse and stand on it. Amen? Proverbs nineteen seventeen, Hallelujah. Proverbs 19, verse 17. Now, here's the reward. Oh, one, excuse me, my Bible just closed. Now, I've got to find it again. Here's, we just saw one of the rewards for helping the poor was that God delivers us in time of trouble. Here's another one. 1917 says, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. Now notice here, this is not good seed sowing because God doesn't promise to multiply. He doesn't promise to give it to you back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, does he? What does he say he'll do? He'll just pay you back. So if you give a dollar to the poor, he's going to pay you back. So everything, hey, listen, this is a non-losing proposition. Everything you give to Russian orphans will be paid back. Plus, if you ever get in trouble, he'll deliver you. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, I'll tell you, I've been in trouble before. Hallelujah. Been, Been in trouble. I couldn't change a flat. I've only had one in my lifetime. But I tell you, I was in my mother's car, and when that tire blew and I pulled to the side, a woman pulled in right behind me. She, I mean, I didn't have to get out of the car. She, she, went, she pulled in right behind me. I got in her car. She took me to the next town. Amen. See, see, he's just right there when you get in trouble to deliver you. He's just right there to deliver you when you've considered the poor. Proverbs 28, 27. I know how to change a flat. I just probably couldn't get the lug nuts loosened. I mean, I know how you basically do it, but you've got to have enough muscle to do it, don't you? It says, 28, 27, He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. Wow. Hallelujah. Well, that kind of explains itself. Turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to look at a meth- the method of giving to the poor because God gives us some specific instructions about how to give to the poor. Matthew 6, verse 1 says, 
Are y'all there? Speedy Bible drillers. It says, Take heed that you do not that you do not your alms, and alms is specifically giving to the poor. So family, that's all this is talking about here. So don't take this scripture and apply it to tithing or apply it to giving of offerings or giving to people. Just only apply it to giving to the poor, okay? Take heed that you do not take that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the high hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. So he's talking about giving to the poor here. But a lot of people have taken this over and say, you know, and they're, you know, somebody says, uh, uh, um, you know, they, they think every time you give, it's got to be a real deep, dark secret and undercover. But nothing could be further from the truth. People are inspired by your giving. People are motivated to give by your giving. And, you know, Barnabas, he sold his land and gave to the church, and they knew it because Ananias and Sapphira went out and they were going to do the same thing. And there were other people. It says that many people sold things and sold possessions. And, and, you know, it inspired the church. See, it inspires people to know you're a tither and to see your blessings because of it and to see your giving. But sometimes people take this and they want to apply it to every kind of giving. And that we were in a church service where uh, they were going to take up an uh, offering for Pastor Webb and Miss Phyllis for their 25th wedding anniversary. And Patrick Norris got up and said, who will give $1,000? And people were raising their hands, committing to $1,000 in the service. Well, see, if you took that and applied that, you'd just be like, oh, you know, I can't do that. I'm my left, you know, nobody's supposed to know that I'm giving $1,000. Well, he's not talking about that kind of giving. He's talking about giving to the poor. Well, why does he say to give to the poor that way? One reason he says to give to the poor anonymously is, uh, uh, is uh, sometimes if you don't, the poor are too proud to receive it. See, sometimes the poor are poor because they're proud. They got a pride problem. They're too proud to be taught. Did you ever hear any poor people say, we don't accept charity? Or maybe you just saw it in the movies. We don't accept charity. Well, next time somebody says that to you, say, well, did you know that the Greek word for charity is love? And when you say we don't accept charity, you're saying... I don't, I don't accept love. I mean, that's what charity means, is love. I don't accept love. Hallelujah. So God tells us to be careful when we're giving to the poor, you know, not to embarrass them. Amen? Okay, let's look at Acts uh, 10, verse 1. I want to show you how God really... We'll, we'll endeavor. We won't turn there. But this is Cornelius in Acts 10. And he was a, uh, a jailer. And he was uh, a Gentile. You know, he was not a Jew. He was not saved. Didn't know God. Didn't know about Jesus. Hadn't heard the plan of salvation. He didn't know any. But he was, the Bible says that he prayed to God and he gave alms. And it says that his, prayer is, his prayers and his alms came up before God as a memorial. 
See, your, your giving will come up before God and He'll take notice. Amen. Amen? Well, Cornelius' prayers and his alms came up before God as a memorial, and God began to move on his behalf to get him something that he didn't even know existed. To move, he was given to the poor only. But God started trying to move him to a higher level. Try to get him saved. Get him over in faith. Get him baptized in the Holy Ghost. Get him given tithes and given offerings. Amen? See, when somebody starts giving, even if it's alms, that God will take notice and God will begin to move in their behalf. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, we're going to look at some questions. How do I give my offerings properly? We need to make sure that we're giving offerings properly and God is receiving them. We're not talking about alms now. God does not receive all offerings. The church receives all offerings. We don't care what your motive is. Well, I mean now, if you come in the church office and you say, Pastor, you know, I'm going to give you this if you will, then he's not going to receive it. But I mean, as far as you just sitting in the pew, you can have the worst attitude in the world. You can be, you can have the wrongest motive in the world. If we, if you haven't told us, we're going to take it and put it in the bank and hallelujah. Do you know what I mean? But that doesn't mean God's receiving it. That don't mean it's God's going to act on it. Is that correct? Hallelujah. Turn to Mark chapter 12, verse 41. So how do we give an offering properly? It says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and he beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. Now it says he watched them. He watched how they cast. He watched how they cast. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, just keep that in mind and go over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. I love to give. It is a blessing. He says, uh, says, For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. So he says here, in order for God to accept your offering... You've got to have a willing mind. Got to be willing. Hallelujah. And he says then also that you have to give according to what you have and not according to what you don't have. So we see we can make this little adjustment fast. We can make the willing adjustment, willing mind adjustment just fast, that fast. You can get willing just that fast. You need to remind yourself that if God has asked you to give something, he's trying to get something to you and not out of you. Amen. He's trying to get more to you. When you give according to what you possess, you don't determine your amount by the fear of insufficiency. See, if you're giving according to what you don't have, you're, you're, you're figuring up, you're doing it according to insufficiency, you're figuring up, can we make it to the end of the month? You know, there's no, when God's asked you to give something according to what you, you give according to what you have. Amen. Hallelujah. In other words, if, if you have, God's not going to ask you to give something you don't have, but give, but give according to what you have. Don't focus on what is still lacking in your life. In other words, you get ready to give. Don't say, well, the kids need shoes and, the, uh, you know, and I need to get a haircut and, you know, I hadn't bought groceries this week. Don't give according to what you lack or what you don't have. Or, you know, sometimes people are even, it's even bigger than that. It's like, well, you know, when we get this kid through college, that's given according to what you don't have. You know what I mean? Or according to what you still lack. 
you give thinking about the goodness of God, being thankful for what He's already done for you, knowing that He will do more. You need to get rid of thinking like, my hard-earned money. Scratch my hard-earned money out of your life and vocabulary. Don't feel that way about your money. Moa, this is our hard-earned money. This is our hard-earned money. No, when you go to work, sow your life. Look at you like you're sowing your life. And don't limit what you'll get back for that sowing into that job. Don't, don't limit it to the job. Don't limit it to the job. You know, God needs policemen. He needs them. He needs policemen. He needs firemen. God needs nurses and He needs doctors. And if they will sow their life into that need, into that fulfilling that, He needs people to run the financial systems of this world. Amen? He needs janitors. Think about how dirty the world would be without janitors. He needs street sweepers. He needs garbage collectors. He needs them. So they sow their lives. If they'll sow their lives and say, this is my hard-earned money, this is all I'm ever going to have. You know, well, we need to get rid of that perspective. Hallelujah. See, um, if you choose the amount you give based on what you do not have, you'll hold back on God. Don't penalize God for that which you don't have instead of blessing Him for what He has done for you. God does not cause your lack. Remember that. You remember that in the tough times. That's easy to say when we're, we're doing okay, we're, we're pretty good. But you know, sometimes when we get down in the crunch and we're going, God, you know, mm, we nearly feel like, you know, God's put us there. Maybe He's trying to teach us something. You know, you know and even when you've been taught differently like, than, that, than that, you can have those feelings. I know because I've had them before. Or sometimes it's like, mm, man, I know we're here because, you know, maybe we didn't obey God or maybe we were trying to obey God, but we made a mistake. Maybe we shouldn't have done this. Maybe we shouldn't have done that. Man, you are just undermining yourself and your faith. You need to forget that. Isn't that true? God will cause you to overcome your lack. Amen? If you made a financial mistake, God will get you out of it if you'll get in faith. God will get you out of it if you get in faith. God will get you out of your financial mistakes if you get in faith. Amen? Hallelujah. Listen, another thing about offerings for them to be acceptable to God, they should stir your emotions. Hebrews 4.15 says God is touched by our feelings. Did you know that? He's touched by our feelings. In other words, what you feel, He feels. If you feel it, He feels it. I mean, if, it, if you go, God... This is giving big. God goes, man, they're giving big. <laughs> you, know, you know, if you go, well, you know, man, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping out there in faith, God, and I want to do it, and I'm cheerful about it, but, you know, I'm being brave here. You know, God's touched by that. But, you know, if you've got the, ah, just give a dollar. I'm tip, you know, you can tip God. It's not, that's nothing, you know. It's, see, it's got to be enough to move your emotions. And what does it take to move your emotions? I'm not very moved by 5 or $10 anymore. It doesn't move me. You know, I'm not moved by I punched a hole in a $10 bill and tied a string in it, y'all. It was like nothing. I was looking for a 5 but I couldn't find one. 
Because <laughs> fives move me less than tens do, but tens don't move me a lot anymore. So it takes more than that to move me. And so if your offering is insignificant to you, it'll be insignificant to God. If you say, hey, $20, that's nothing. It's not significant to God either. You haven't moved him. That's not acceptable. Well, ten's not ten. You can't go to McDonald's for ten. We can't. The three of us. So it's it doesn't it doesn't move me anymore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You can always tell when you get on a ten little spot there. You know. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to encourage you to give generously. To give big. That's why the Bible says, if you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you do give little amounts, give towards a big goal. There's nothing wrong with giving little amounts towards a big goal. I know Brother Copeland said, God spoke to him, give Brother Hagen $50,000. He didn't have anything to give. But he just started sending seeds. Just every time he got one, he started sending it. He said before he even knew it, he looked in that $50,000. He called up there and said, Buddy Harrison, he called Buddy Harrison and said, Buddy, look and see how much I've, we've given. And it was over $50,000. Set some big goals. Set a goal. If you've never given $500, set a goal. Then I'm going to give $500 in two months. God, I'm asking you now for the seed. I'm believing you now, God. And then just start giving to it, giving to it, giving to it, giving to it. Keeping up with it. Keeping up with it. Amen. Set big goals. Um, we need to close. Boy, I got some good stuff still, Pastor. You want me to go a little longer? Just a little bit? I'm gonna, I'll just read you a little bit from John Avanzini's book. Why do some not give? I, you know, Brother Avanzini said it better than I could. I was looking in pastor's office and I found this book and I started reading some of it. So I'll just read you just a little bit and then we'll go. It says, Some folks actually put up walls in their hearts that keep them from giving when God speaks. They come to church with the predetermined decision that they are not going to give to certain projects or that they will give only a certain amount and not a penny more. Many of these people will actually go so far as to leave their checkbooks at home so that there will be no possibility that the moving of the Holy Spirit will sway them at offering time. You probably never heard of that, but if you was a pastor, you would have. I've even watched people that habitually timed getting to church after the offering. God will never accept the offerings of these unwilling minds. The scripture says he responds favorably to a willing and cheerful heart. Amen? Okay. We were going to read, let's see. Why do some with wealth not give? Most people never realize it, but what we do with our money is a barometer of our spiritual life. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Why do some people that are wealthy not give? Their heart's not there. It's simple. Their heart's not there. Some are ignorant. Many ask the question, what about the wealthy Christian who refuses to support God's work? Is he really saved? Be careful not to make a hasty judgment on that question. Some wealthy Christians may have only a limited knowledge of what the Bible actually teaches about their financial responsibility to God. The reason for this is that many churches are reluctant to teach what the scriptures say about money. 
don't misunderstand. The preacher will mention money when there's a building program or a special stewardship campaign. However, the people do not receive regular teaching about finances. And Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I know we had, there was a church in the town we were in, and uh, the, a man told us, uh, the, like the first Sunday in January, the preacher talks about uh, stewardship or tithes and offerings. We always plan to be absent then. And that's because that's the only time he's going to mention it all year. And there's another reason sometimes wealthy people do not give. Times of insufficiency affect us. Well, you know, you wouldn't have to be real wealthy for this to, to maybe have touched you. I have observed something else about Christians who have money but do not give. The problem with some of them is not that they don't love the Lord. It goes much deeper than that. Their inability to give goes back to a time of deep poverty in their past. During that time of scant rations, they failed to support God's work. They lived through a time when their personal needs were so great and they did not feel they could, get, they could afford to give. These folks may have experienced tremendous financial pressures while they were getting an education or building a business. Perhaps an economic reversal brought them to the brink of bankruptcy. Maybe they had more children than their income seemed able to support. They could have faced any number of possible hardships that caused them to feel they could not give. Their problem with giving probably wasn't evident to them when it first started. It manifested itself only after they came out of their poverty. Hear the word of the Lord as he explains the principle they put into motion by not giving when they had little. If you don't give when you're in a tight time, here's what you put into motion. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Please hear me on this matter. It is, it is of the utmost importance that you establish and maintain a pattern of giving when you go through hard times. You must keep on giving even that which you present to God, even when that which you present to God is meager. For the word of God says that if you are not able to give when you have little, you will not be able to give when you have much. I thank God, oh no, I'm skipping that. Child of God, you must make it a practice to tithe and support God's work, even when your own supply is short. In tight times, don't be tight-fisted with the Lord, for the spirit of stinginess will take hold of you, and it will not let go when times get better. Now, all of y'all have seen situations like that. I know Michael and I have with grandparents and stuff where they went through the depression. We actually had three sets of grandparents until just a couple of years ago. And it was funny because each one of them sort of reacted in a different way. You know, they had been through the depression years and stuff. But, you know, a lot of people that didn't go through the depression have been through hard financial times. Amen. Listen, if you, I, we're not believing for a hard financial time. We're not believing we're going to go through anything. We're not using our faith through it. But if you are going through a time where things are not as loose as they need to be, just keep on giving. Just keep on giving. Keep putting seed in the ground. I promise you, you will come out and you'll come out victorious and you'll come out abundant and you'll come out with your heart free. Hallelujah. Is that the truth? That's the truth. Hallelujah. I was going to talk about um, two other things, but I'm not going to, but maybe next week. I was going to talk about, should I give if my husband, husband doesn't want me to, for some women that might affect. And, uh, and that, well, that was it. That was it. And so maybe next week we'll cover that, okay? Hallelujah. Let's stand up together.